21. The four brains displayed above the med hollow varied broadly in size and shape, the largest being oblong with only a slight downward bulge to join the brain stem, the smallest looking more like a withered pally mounted on a pulsing mushroom stem. In three of the brains, bursts of activity were simultaneously blossoming in bright identical colors, then fading at exactly the same rate. Even more telling were the two-dimensional alpha waves crawling through the air beneath each hologram. Three of the patterns were indistinguishable, with matched frequencies and amplitudes. The fourth wave, located beneath the solid blue shape of a human brain, was alternating between dead flat and so wildly erratic that the peaks vanished into the hollow above. Very funny, Jason. Luke frowned toward the relaxy chair where his nephew reclined looking out through the viewing window of a huge scanning hood. Would you stop playing with the brain mapper? Just making a point. The fourth brain went entirely white. This won't tell you anything. You must decide for yourselves whether we can be trusted. Trust isn't the issue, Corin Horn said. Along with Luke, Mara, and several other Jedi Masters, he was standing in the isolation ward of the infirmary at the Jedi Academy on Ossus, where they would be far from the prying eyes of the Galactic Alliance Advisory Council. We're just trying to figure out what happened to you. It has nothing to do with Kilix, Tezar said. We overused the meld, Tahiri said. And now we can't stay out of each other's minds, Techly finished. Though Luke certainly knew about the problems the meld had caused the strike team survivors, he suspected these new symptoms had more to do with the Killix than the meld. Still, that was a judgment better made by the Jedi Master's master healer. Luke turned to Silgal. What do you think? The Mon Calamari looked at him out of one bulbous eye. I think they are... mistaken. Mistaken? Kip Duron asked with his usual lack of tact. Or lying. Tezar Sebatine started to push his scanning hood off. This one does not. Easy, Tezar. Luke flashed Kip a look of irritation. Now was hardly a good time to be testing Tezar's patience. The Barabel had felt his mother get wounded less than 24 hours earlier, and the only thing anyone knew about the circumstances was a vague sensation that Luke had felt from Leia suggesting that she was caring for Sava, and that he and Mara faced the same danger on Ossus. I'm sure Master Duran didn't mean to impugn your honor. Ignoring the opportunity for an apology, Kip continued to look at Silgal. Okay, why do you think they're mistaken? Because the activity is in the wrong places. Silgal keyed a command, and a blobby structure about the size of a thumb tip began to glow deep within the hologram of Tahiri's brain. With the meld... The hypothalamus responds to emotional reverberations in the force, Silgal said. The blob began to swell and grow red. Prolonged use, or very intense use, can enlarge it and make it hypersensitive. Melders can become so attuned to each other that their minds begin to read the reverberations as much as transceivers read comm waves. That's when the meld slips into telepathy. What about the mood swings? Corin asked. Silgal keyed another command. What looked like a wishbone with two long curling tails appeared above the image of Tahiri's hypothalamus. As uses continued, 
the effect spills over into the rest of the limbic system, and melders begin to alter each other's emotions. The masters watched the few moments as the wishbone grew thicker and darker. They were all aware of the risks associated with the meld, but this was the first time many had heard Silgal's theory concerning the actual mechanism. Luke had the sense that some were looking inward, trying to guess how sensitive their own limbic systems might be growing. Finally, Corin asked, And where is the other kind of activity occurring? Silgal keyed another command. A fibrous, cap-like structure about 10 centimeters long appeared above Tahiri's limbic system and beneath both her cerebral hemispheres. It was, Luke noted, in a perfect position to act as a bridge among all major sections of the brain. The structure of the corpus callosum has changed, Silgal said. As she spoke, the hypothalamus and limbic system paled, and a hazy yellow fuzz formed in their place. That haze you see is composed of free-dangling dendrites. It suggests that Tizar, Tekli, and Tahiri are sending impulses directly from one brain to another. And Jason? Mara asked. That's difficult to say. Silgal glanced at Jason, who sat beneath his hood, playing color games with the hologram of his brain. But probably not, since he was there only a fraction of the time the others were. What about these impulses? Kyle Katarn asked. With brown hair, brown eyes, and a tan shirt tucked into brown breeches, he looked like a farmer about to return to his fields instead of one of the Jedi Order's most famous and skilled members. Are you talking about force impulses? Silgal shook her elongated head. Probably not. From what Master Skywalker said, the Killicks don't appear to be Force-sensitive. She stepped away from the controls, then continued. I suspect the impulses are moving through their auras. Their auras? Kent Hamner asked. A tall Jedi with a deeply lined face and dignified bearing. He had a keen mind and a habit of skeptical inquiry. I've always had the impression that auras were so much Balanasi nonsense. Not at all. Silgal said. Every being is surrounded by an aura of subtle energies. Heat, electric, magnetic, even chemical, some extending as far as 10 meters. I have a multiband detector that can image your own if you like. For now, we'll take your word for it, Luke said. At the moment, he was less interested in proof than in a working theory. How confident are you? Not confident at all. I'll have to perform some tests to verify my hypothesis. Tests are useless, Techley said from inside her scanning hood. They won't reveal anything. Our problem is the meld, Tahiri insisted. We need no test to tell us that, Tizar agreed. Luke and the other masters exchanged uncomfortable glances, then mutual concern growing sharper in the force. The trio's insistence on blaming the meld was beginning to sound irrational. Finally, Corin said, Silgal, you said their corpus, or whatever it was, had changed. How did that happen? Was it also caused by the auras? Probably not, Silgal said. Most insects rely heavily on pheromones to regulate their lives. So that's where my suspicions fall first. That makes sense. Mara agreed. The nests are soaked with pheromones. You're saying a smell changed our Jedi's brain structure? Corin asked. Pheromones aren't just odors, 
Silgal said. They're powerful chemicals. They trigger a wide range of behaviors and physical changes in nearly every animal in the galaxy. And they can change your brain, Corin repeated, still unconvinced. Everything changes your brain. Whenever you learn something new, or develop a skill, or make a memory, your brain grows new connections to store and access information. Under the right stimulus, it's very conceivable that parts of it could be completely modified. So, Mara asked, spend enough time in the pheromone bath and your brain rewires itself? Exactly, especially if the pheromones work through the nose. In most species, smell is a direct input to the brain. And you're sure these Jedi Knights aren't just mistaken about what happened to them? Kip asked, raising the question again for no good reason Luke could see. They couldn't be lying? We're not lying. Tezar stood, pushing his hood up and pointing a talon in Kip's direction. We do not lie. Concerned that Kip was sensing something he had not, Luke reached out to Tezar and the others in the force. He felt outrage, confusion, even a small hint of a joiner's double presence, but no dishonesty. As far as he could tell, the trio believed they were telling the truth. Luke sent a gentle force nudge urging Kip to apologize, but the shaggy-haired Jedi ignored it and returned the glare Tezar was shooting in his direction. Then prove it, Kip said. Tell us why you agreed to come back from Karibu. The tip of Tezar's forked tongue darted between his lips, and the anger in his slit-pupiled eyes slowly changed to admiration. Very good, Master Duran, Tezar said. We did not see that coming at all. I'm glad I still have something to teach, Kip said. Are you going to answer? Of course, Tahiri said slipping out from beneath her own hood. All you had to do was ask. So we're asking, Mara said. We came to persuade the council to help the Killicks, Tezar said. The colony can only stop the Chiz through war. And the Jedi can bring other pressures to bear, Tahiri added. It's best for everyone. That will be for the Master's Council to decide, Kent said. And when it does... Will you abide by our decision? We aren't wrong about this, Tahiri dodged. The Chiz are committing xenocide, Tezar added. We must intervene. Immediately, Tekli pushed her hood up and came to stand with the others, leaving only Jason's brain, currently gold and pulsing, displayed on the med hollow. Aren't we bound as Jedi to protect the weak? Jedi are bound by a great many duties, often contradictory, Kent said, which is why we call Master's Council. I ask again, will you abide by our decision? The trio fell silent. Then Tahiri and Tekli dropped their eyes, and Tezar said, That depends on what the decision is. Kent and Corin recoiled visibly, but Kip Durin smiled. Well, it's an honest answer. As much as that is possible for them, Silgal said. She turned to Luke. I don't like to question their integrity, Master Skywalker, but anything they tell us is suspect. We must assume their judgment has been compromised by the same power that called them away in the first place. Tezar glared openly in Silgal's direction. 
You are saying we cannot be trusted? She met his gaze evenly. You're not to blame, but yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Tezar looked from Silgal to Luke to Kip and back to Luke, then thumped his tail and retreated to his relaxy chair. Tahiri took his place. We don't deserve this. She glared into Luke's eyes. You have no reason to treat us like we're Sith. Probably not, Kent said. But until those mysterious attacks on Yagoi and at Karibu are explained, there's no harm in being safe. By all means, Tizar rasped from his chair. This one would not want you to fear us. Luke turned to Silgal. Perhaps you'd explain your concerns? The Mon Calamari nodded. It's very simple. The meld always comes from the outside. You know you're listening to someone else's thoughts and reacting to someone else's emotions. But this, this joining feels like it comes from inside. The things our Jedi Knights see through it, or hear, or smell, or taste, seem like things they're sensing themselves. Even the thoughts they share seem to arise inside their own minds. So they don't know whether their thoughts are their own or someone else's, Mara asked. Luke could sense that she was as concerned as he was, that she was afraid their young Jedi Knights were lost to the colony already. They can't just ignore outside thoughts like we can in the meld. I'm afraid that's correct, Silgal said. In all likelihood, it's impossible to know the difference. The Masters studied Tahiri and the other young Jedi in silence, their faces betraying the same disappointment and concern and uncertainty that Luke felt. Silgal could probably find a way to negate the changes to their brain structure, but the patients were clearly going to be uncooperative, and that would make recovery a long, difficult process. Finally, Kent said, Well, that explains a lot. They certainly haven't been acting like themselves. Perhaps not, Tizar admitted. He leaned forward, being careful to remain seated and non-threatening. But that doesn't mean we are wrong about Koribu. Ask Master Skywalker, Techly said. They both saw Julio. They can tell you what the Chiss have done to the moon. Fair enough, Luke said. Mara and I weren't on Julio long enough to gather many facts but it is clear the Chiss are trying to drive the Killix out of the system. And it's just as clear the Killix don't have the resources to leave, Mara added. The way things are looking, the result will be war or extermination. Probably both. Tahiri beamed. Tizar assumed a reptilian grin, and Tekli brought her ears forward. Then Corin asked, Why? Tizar rose. Why what? Why are the Chiss doing this? He asked. They're xenophobic and secretive, but they're not expansionists. If they're trying to drive the Killix away, they must have a reason. They are afraid the colony will expand into their territory, Tizar said. That is what their joiners say. There's more to it, Mara said. If all the Chiss were worried about was border security, they'd just wait for the nest to pop up in their own territory, then attack. That's right. Luke agreed. Something about the Killix scares the Chiss so much, they don't want them in the same sector as an Ascendancy system. You'd have to ask the Chiss about that, Tahiri said. We shouldn't need to, Kent pointed out. 
Isn't it the first duty of a Jedi to understand both sides of a conflict? Tahiri met his gaze with a raised chin. We were preoccupied, saving innocence. And look what happened, Kent said. Both sides are closer to war than ever. Perhaps, Techley said. But our mistakes shouldn't condemn the Karibu nests. And they shouldn't commit the Jedi to any action the Masters haven't authorized. Corin turned away from the trio and addressed the other Masters. Our first concern must be the stability of the Galactic Alliance. No. Kip Duran surprised everyone by stepping to Tahiri's side. The Jedi are no one's mercenaries. Not even the Galactic Alliance. Our first concern... Our only concern is our own conscience. We must follow it where it leads. Octo Ramus, who had remained silent until now, spoke up to agree with Kip. Then Kent agreed with Corin. Kip repeated his position, and the discussion degenerated into an argument. Tahiri, Tekli, and Tizar remained silent, content to let their advocates argue their case. Luke glanced over at Jason who was continuing to create elegant swirls of light in his brain hollow and wished he were also free to ignore the argument. What he really wanted to be doing was looking for a slicer who could access the sequestered sector in R2-D2's memory, but personal business would have to wait. The argument among the masters was rapidly growing more heated. Luke eased his mind into the middle of the knot. Enough! The tumult began to quiet, and he said, this isn't the time for discussion. We're just here to have a look at Silgal's tests and listen to our Jedi Knight's report. An embarrassed silence fell over the room as the masters contemplated their outbursts. Then Kip flushed and dropped his chin. I let my emotions carry me away. I apologize. No need, Corin said, slapping his shoulder. We were all a little excited. Master Skywalker is right, Kyle added. We're just here to listen. You haven't listened to me yet. Jason sounded as though he were less than a meter from the group. But when Luke turned around, he found only the image of his nephew's brain floating above the holopad. Jason himself remained seated in his relaxy chair, eyes staring blankly through the viewing window of his scanning hood. Okay, Jason, Luke said. We'd be very interested in hearing your report. The hologram pulsed in a brilliant show of iridescent color, and the alpha line below it quivered in time to a deep, booming voice that was barely recognizable as Jason's. Killix are dangerous friends, but no one's enemy, the brain said. The true danger lies not in what the Jedi do, but in their failure to act at all. The effect was exactly what Jason had intended. A thoughtful silence descended on the group, and the master's gazes turned inward as they searched for the deeper meaning in Jason's words. Luke walked over to the control panel. Very funny, he said, switching it off. Didn't I tell you to stop playing with Silgal's brain mapper?